people told me I couldn't do a lot of things. I feel like I'm the chosen one. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. All we are is proud and passionate. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the Let's go! Nothing matters but winning. Welcome back to episode 80 of Rapsville Weekly. I'm your co-host, Gabriel Cellio, alongside... Adam Kasuchi. And today we have three games to cover with you guys. Um, we're kind of getting to the end of the season here, and uh, playoffs are looking farther and farther away. Before we get into that, as always, please like and subscribe. Check us out on Instagram, at Rapsville, for NBA news and Raptors content. And leave your comments down below for your opinions on these pieces. Uh, we will be doing uh, some guest episodes later on, I believe, once the season ends. So if you would like to be in that, either leave a comment on the YouTube page or DM us on Instagram. Once again, at Rapsville, R-A-P-Z-V-I-L-L-E. Yeah, so to start off this episode, we'll start off with, with some positive stuff. Uh, first of all, I just want to talk about Jalen Harris and his kind of rise up in performance. Nick Nurse have, has literally been giving him a little bit more minutes uh, of late, and uh, he has been performing. He's been making his shots, playing good defense in the time he's been given. And uh, yeah, he's been the one positive guy really off the bench, kind of along with Bembry uh, over the last three games. Yeah, it hasn't been... Um... There was one game, I think the Lakers game, it wasn't the, the best performance for him shooting-wise, but it seems like he started to get some minutes, and then he started to produce or have some type of effect in one way or another. So we saw him in like the Denver game, he played five minutes, had two boards and an assist, um, and he had a little bit of an impact on there. Then we saw him again in the Utah game, only took one shot but made it. It was a three ball, which we know when he first came in uh, at the beginning of the season, it looked like he came in during the scrap minutes and couldn't even make a shot. Now here in his couple minutes of play, he made his one jumper that he had, plus he got a steal. Then we saw him again in the Lakers game and once again in the Clippers game. So Nurse seems to be riding a little bit of the hot hand to say of some guy who stepped up off the bench, plus all of the injuries and stuff that's been going on, players resting. He seems to be giving him a fair opportunity game in and game out now, um, possibly as we look towards maybe quote-unquote tanking. They don't like to say it, but, you know, letting games roll by a little bit easier, it seems to me that we've been giving Harris a little more opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And this obviously would be, would be the right time. Uh, in my opinion, I don't agree with it, but uh, in the Raptors franchise's eyes, I think this would be the right time if they are looking to tank uh, to, to give guys like Harris, uh, guys who haven't been playing really all season, to get really give them a chance and uh, hopefully uh, make a mark for, for next season too. Yeah, so like those other games are good, but the, this Clipper games that we just saw here, this Clippers game, I thought it was spectacular. He came on and he was red hot, huge uh, impact right off the bench, 13 minutes of play. He had 11 points, shot perfect, 4 for 4. He made all three of his three-pointers. Like He came on, he had that immediate impact, so it was honestly good to see him take that step up and have such a big game. Um, and, you know, getting these back-to-back minutes, getting some confidence in himself, he's making those shots, and they count. Yeah, Gabe, I feel like rookies, uh, when, when they do well uh, against a powerhouse team like the Clippers, uh, they get more recogni- recognition, uh, I think, in the media, I feel like, after the games. And I think this is the case with Jalen Harris. He played well against one of the lead teams in the NBA, uh, showed he could be on the floor both offensively and defensively, and he did his job, gave his positive minutes, and, uh, and he contributed. Exactly. Now moving on to a, a little bit of a negative issue here. Uh, looking, looking here forward, OG, Lowry, Fred, really taking turns resting and kind of, and being injured. And Gabe, I know you have your opinion on this. What's your opinion on, uh, on these guys being rested and, and their injury situation here? 
Yeah, so these injuries, they seem to become up sporadically, randomly. Um, I'm not buying it. I don't know about uh, other fans watching. Some of them seem a little bit more real. Like we saw Trent looked like he got injured, but then they declared it a different spot. Um, then now they're saying like a thigh contusion. I didn't, I didn't see him being out this long just for like a bruise pretty much, but he seems to be out. The other guys, Lowry, he rested obviously way too many games. We talked about that. It was honestly horrible. And then seeing him rest against the Utah Jazz after having all that streak of resting, comes back for one game and then he's out yet again. And this time they're saying back stiffness. Um, he is old, you know, it's something that is possible, but he played literally one game. It was a spectacular game, mind you. He did put up a lot of effort. Him and Siakam drove the team that game, but um, it seems weird that it's just one just a one-time occurrence, one game playing, you're already injured again. Like it's just been, it's been like so constant with him. Plus all the resting, I'm not buying. It's an injury. Plus the toes, like he's had way too many injuries, and they seem small and not stuff that should keep him out of every single game. Uh, if you look at the the last third of this season, he's probably missed more than half the games. And then Fred, the hip injury, seems something a little bit more real. But it seems weird that he's playing one game, missing the next, playing one, missing the next. Um, unnecessary resting in my opinion obviously you don't want to hurt the guy but to me it looks like a little more tanking and OG as well um, guy looked absolutely dead the past couple of games we saw him have that absolute collapse in the second half of uh, one of the games maybe the Nuggets game I can't remember so I don't think it was due to injury honestly I think he just was really tired and wanted a break and asked for a night off and they gave it to him because they're planning on tanking like for me these injuries seem fake do you think really behind closed doors, all these players kind of discuss and, and kind of talk about uh, really what they're going through and like who's sitting, sitting out, who's playing? Because I feel like when one guy sits out, the other one is in. And I feel like that, that has been a trend here over the last couple of games. Yeah, that's the part that seems fishy to me is that um, if you were so injured and I get like they're doing like injury management sort of, uh, you can't one game in, one game out, one game we have Kyle, one game we have Fred. We always have one of the two point guards by the looks of it the past couple of games. It's a little fishy if you ask me because we never get both and we never get neither. We're always getting one on and off here. It's 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 very fishy. Yeah, and that brings us into another problem. Has the constant change of lineups really hurt the team in terms of chemistry issues? and not having all the guys in at the same time. And really, and it, it does. It really causes a lot of chemistry issues. You don't get to develop a lot of great plays that, that the personnel should be running. You want Kyle and Fred running most of the plays. you got Siakam as well there. So you want them running most of the plays. When they're not there, you're giving other opportunities to other guys to run it, but it might not end up in the same result as we're seeing here. So it, it's, really, it's really tough not having all of them in, in the lineup at the same time. Uh, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you're feeling the same thing, but every game when I watch kind of feels like like an experiment of sorts. Like I never know if we're going to yeah. win or lose the game. I never know how the offense is going to flow or what the lineup's going to look like or how the team's going to play because every time the game's on, it's like a it's like a you know, obviously it's a different game, but the, the play style is completely different. Some games it's like, okay, we're handing the ball to Fred every single play because he's the only real playmaker on the team, and it's super him iso and maybe a couple kickouts. Other game it's like a free-flowing offense, ball's moving. Other game it's Pascal Siakam in the post, or Lowry's just pick and roll, kicking the guys. Like every game has a huge different playing style. Sometimes that can be effective because defenses are going to be hard to read what you guys are playing that day. But as a fan, I'm just like, I don't even know if, we're, if I'm watching the same team night in, night out. It just every day's in, like a new scenario. Either someone's injured or we choke a fourth quarter or we somehow get on a scoring drought. Like we're 
our team has just become so unpredictable because I think of the different guys that are injured and the rotations, the starting lineups. It's just been so sporadic, and it's like we lack consistency all year long. I think you can agree with that. Yeah, you need you need the in-game reps, like you said, and I also feel uh, that the in in the room, in really the, the viewing room, and kind of looking at film with the players and and kind of breaking down the game. I feel like they need in-game reps. I'm sure Kyle and Fred are obviously, and obviously Coach Nurse are really leading the charge in that kind of. Uh, telling everyone what to do, kind of organizing, organizing that. But I feel that with them sometimes missing the games and not really being in, it kind of affects that. And not having a, a guy like that on the floor making in-game decisions really, really hurts them. I, I know Kyle and Fred, when they're out, they like to help the team in other ways, cheering them on, uh, telling the rookies what they need to do better on the bench, and kind of organizing things out that way. Uh, but in-game decisions that need that really need to be uh, made quick on the floor aren't being, being uh, done. Yeah, some games it's like the Malachi show, other games it's like let's get Watanabe and Johnson to have a huge role this game. Every game just feels like someone on the floor has just made up their own plan for tonight. Like It, it doesn't seem yeah. like something consistent or a consistent play style like other teams. You know, okay, they're working through, for example, the Clippers. The ball is in Kawhi and Paul George's hands most of the time, and they're kind of playing off them a little bit of iso ball. Other guys are hitting their jumpers. Like It's a, kind of like a consistent style you can expect. Every day is like a mystery. It's like a circus show. Yep, and that's why we've got the end game results uh, uh, as we have here and uh, really kind of going into that one-in-one kind of 500 area that we didn't want to get into, that no-man's land that we always talk about, that 11th spot where we get the lower draft pick and we don't get a chance at the the, the playoffs. And it's just a, a bad situation. Well, right now we sit six games left, uh, three, possibly four games uh, back of the Washington Wizards. Depend, depends what they get in their results in their next game. And uh, the playoffs chance, chances really seem uh, slim to none right now, Gabe. Yeah. They're roasting the Bucks tonight. Uh, by the time this video is out, we'll have a result on that most likely. Uh, probably should lose, right? It's the Bucks. Um, I'm yeah. not sure really what the injuries are for for both sides there. I think Milwaukee's pretty much full strength, so it should be an easy game for for Milwaukee. And Washington should stay three games ahead of us. But you know, meanwhile, there's only six games left. Mathematically, it's not impossible, but uh, you know, highly unlikely. We do have one game versus them. Could be a swing of sorts. Um, but still, it's the odds are slim to none. So I honestly think that this season is looking like it's coming to an end, uh, especially with our tough schedule and the way that we've been playing, so sporadic and and spontaneous and not consistent with the lineups and all the resting we've been doing and injuries. Seems like this one's over. Yeah, no, I, I think honestly it is over. Uh, but there are there are a lot of positives you can take out of the season. Um, I don't think it's just a complete mess. Uh, we still got we still got a good draft pick in our hands. Uh, we've seen a lot of rise from a lot of a lot of different players, especially our young guys, really getting a lot of opportunity here. And uh, hopefully next season we can kind of reset and not necessarily rebuild, but just just look to have a, a different different kind of attitude and kind of intensity around the team. I feel like just they did not have it this year. I feel like there was a lot of issues regarding injuries and all, all types of stuff. So I feel like there will be a better better uh, for the next season. Yeah, it seemed like just a lot of changes and the new guys trying to find their spot, trying to find a rotation just seemed like a mess. I'm hoping for next season, you know, now that Baines has been moved out of the rotation, he'll be gone. Um, solidifying our spot with Birch, 
Nawatanabe, Gillespie, some pieces, Malachi, that you know are staying, you now have an idea of how the rotation sits if we're trying to find some level of consistency. What will happen with Lowry is yet to be determined. Uh, you know, a lot of talks about him and the uh, sign-in trade to Philly. I don't know about that. Plus, it's going to be a big talk of who do we take in the draft, top 10 pick most likely. Um, so that's going to change the team a little bit. It depends if Lowry goes, it'd be a lot, but... I think besides those two factors, we have a solidified lineup, guys that we know are staying, and we've kind of found a unit uh, that works, you know, OG trying to take a bigger role for the team and guys off the bench now finding their spots if they deserve the minutes or not, right? Yeah, and we're also, it's almost uh, done time, really, of this evaluation period uh, with guys like like Gillespie, Yuda, like we've kind of seen what they can do. Now I feel like it's time for a nurse to really look at their strengths and put them in, in spots to succeed in the team. And that's what, that's what I feel we're lacking here. But next season, um, hopefully having, having the brain of Nick Nurse and having his experience, he can, he can make that happen. All right, so now we're going to cover the games here. First one we have is the Utah Jazz game. So the Raptors lose this one, 106-102. to um, if you watch this game, we started off very good first quarter, second quarter. We stayed strong. It was kind of like a scoring outburst. Defense was kind of bad for both teams. Um, you know, we had our way with them and they had their way with us. You know, Bogdanovich, Ingles, their shooters were absolutely exploding, hitting shots, even guys at Clarkson. Uh, at the beginning of the game, Royce O'Neal, everyone was kind of just shooting the ball pretty well and it was tough to stop. And, um, by the end of the game, the g- it kind of slipped away. You know, the third quarter was close, but the fourth quarter was a huge collapse, man. We've seen so many big collapses in this team, fourth quarter, third quarter scoring droughts. Um, this might have been even one of the worst. Uh, near the end of the game, up until the 50-second mark, like 50 seconds left, so that first 11 minutes yeah. of play, we shot four for 20. And we had three turnovers, and most of the points that we uh, put up were, there was a couple of, uh, free throws as well so at the end of the day we only ended up putting up 13 points in the fourth quarter of a game um, Utah struggled on their own they had only 21 the lowest they've had in the three quarters but still 13 points in a quarter no matter what quarter that's in it's horrible but the fourth quarter the fact that it's then is even worse that just shows like the lack of clutchness that we had it started with the bench and it ended with the starters just four shots made OG didn't um, you know, make any Fred Siakam, everyone kind of struggled near the end. It's horrible. Three turnovers as well. Like how do you put up 13 points in 11 minutes of play? Yeah. It's just seeing, seeing these, these good efforts by the team just being wasted, like three good quarters of basketball that I thought they played really well in. And then, and then that fourth quarter, they just got to keep it up. I, I don't know if it's fatigue with this team. I, I don't know what it is. Obviously we don't have the closer that we need right now with, with a certain personnel, but but we can make one. We can really make one. We got to keep on working at it, and uh, and it, it doesn't have to be a certain guy like like the Utah Jazz. Sometimes uh, I feel like they're a good team. For example, that that doesn't have a really go-to guy. If it w- if it would be, it would be Mitchell. But, but they really play good team ball, and at the end of games, they would give it to whoever has the best shot. And uh, I think that's the best way to play, to be honest, and not have a just a certain guy. Because in every game, there's different situations, different matchups. So every game's different. So just getting the best basketball shot, I think, is the best option. Yeah, they can go Mitchell. They can go Gobert on the roll. They got the good yeah. shooters, Conley, Bogdanovich, Ingles. They'll trust most of those guys to hit shots. And tonight, Bogdanovich was the killer, 34 points. 
uh, four boards, four assists, six three balls. Clarkson put up 16. Ingles with 15, four threes. Gobert 13 and 16. They were absolute killers for us in that fourth quarter. If you think about it, that's a bucket every two minutes. You're shooting pretty much one for five. You're making a shot for every five attempted. It's horrible. Uh, the Raptors, we had Ken Birch had a great night, 17 and 10, eight for 13 shooting. Siakam was 15 and seven, uh, three steals, four turnovers though, seven for 18, poor performance for 40 minutes of play. OG had 17 points, five boards, four assists, uh, seven for 17 shooting, a steal and two blocks, a little bit better, but still, you know, not the, the, the most amount of touch that we need from him. Freddie had a huge night, uh, 30 points, six boards, seven assists, 11 for 25 shooting. He was basically dealing it off with Bogdanovich, right? It was like bucket for bucket here. As Bogdanovich would hit a big three, uh, Fred would come right back at him. And besides them two, the bench didn't add much scoring uh, in itself. Benbury four, Watanabe two, Glutsby four, Harris three. We kind of kept it as a short rotation, only uh, nine guys. And the starters did most of the scoring, everyone in double digits, but it wasn't enough. Yep, and that kind of put us in into a little bit of a hole here, and uh, and looking on to the next game versus the Lakers, we really needed to win this one. Yeah, because we were Washington happened to lose that game, and this was a huge chance for us to take it, and we failed, we we choked against the Utah Jazz. Um, but the Lakers game, we did win this one, one twenty one to one fourteen. You know, Lakers back to full health pretty much. LeBron did leave late. Uh, Earlier in like the fourth quarter, I think, because his ankle was getting sore, but he played. Davis was there, Drummond was there, and we managed to hold our own. Um, this game, we were without, I believe, Fred Van Vliet for his hip, and then Ananobi as well had his injury or rest, whatever. He was out as well, besides the guys that are injured. Um, Birch struggled, only four points, nine boards. Those little post hooks last two, three games have just been getting yeah. tough for him. Those little droppers right at him. Yeah. Uh, that, that has been, uh, very tough for Birch, uh, coming into this game. Uh, he was okay at the start with them. Uh, they were really falling. But I noticed in the dying stages of the game, even though we won that game, uh, he was just, he was missing a couple open ones and it was really, it was really getting disappointing. But he, I'm happy he sticked with it and then the next game he showed a little bit more consistency with it. Yeah. Um, and the other two starters, Stanley Johnson started to guard LeBron. No points, two boards to assist, 0 for 5 shooting though, two turnovers. He did have a steal and a block, at least in the defensive end. Flynn as well, no points, 0 for 7 shooting, and in the turnover, uh, you know, big turnaround for Flynn. He's been having good games and he just shot horribly this game. Luckily, we had off the bench scoring in Bembry with 14 and 8 boards, Gillespie 11 and 7, Watanabe 6, 4 and 2, uh, plus Bembry had the 3 steals. The bench was good, but the talk of the night had to have been Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. Two incredible performances. Kyle Lowry had a season-high 37 points, 11 assists, 12 for 20 shooting at eight three balls. I believe that's tying his personal record. And then Siakam, 39 and 13, one of his higher totals in a year. I think it's also his season-high. Two steals and two blocks for him. Uh, He had four turnovers, though, but them two, I think they had their way tonight. Is that an easy way to describe it? Yeah, yeah, I would for sure say, say those two were the dynamic duo. Uh, they really played really good in the pick and roll game. Kyle was really fine, uh, Siakam in his really good spots, and he was finishing, uh, just getting to the rim. Uh, his three ball was falling tonight, which I thought it was, uh, that was really good for him. It opened up a lot of things for him. The driving game, uh, the mid range, his post up game, everything uh, seemed uh, a lot more easier for him since his shot was falling. Yeah, he had a pretty 
decent stretch, I think, the past couple of games, Siakam and scoring the ball in the first three quarters, at least. That's where we've seen a, an improved percentage from him, and this game was an example of that. He was just like, I guess, lack of guys, more touches, um, less stress on if they win or lose, I don't know. He just played uh, decently well in getting to his spots and making the right shots. Uh, and then for the Lakers, Drummond had 19 points, 11 boards in 25 minutes of play. Uh, LeBron 19, 7, and 6, and Davis 12, 9, and 7. No one did anything spectacular on their team. Kuz at 24, 6, 3 balls. That was probably the, the best performer for them. Everyone else was kind of iffy. Davis shot 5 for 16. LeBron left early. And Drummond, they didn't play him as much as I think they should have. I feel like they could have, with Birch not playing his best basketball and Drummond's size and strength, I feel like that he really could have taken more advantage of him. Yeah, I was surprised. Only 19 points and 11 rebounds. I thought it was going to be a big 2020 game for Andre Drummond coming into the game, uh, saying who's going to really guard this guy. He has, uh, I think, like 40 or 50 pounds on Birch and, and the rest of the team. So I'm like, who's going to guard this guy? But Birch did a really good job defensively holding his own against Drummond. Yeah. Okay, so now we're getting to the Clippers game. Um, we lost this one 105-100, and we got plenty to say about it. Uh, first three games... First three quarters, sorry, once again, uh, strong quarters from us. We seem to be doing quite well in those three quarters, but the fourth quarter collapse once again happens. Um, whenever I see a number in the tens digits in the fourth quarter, it's very concerning. 13 points was already a horror show, and now this one was 18 points to the Clippers 23. Once again, very close game that just didn't go. Birch had 13 points and eight boards. Watanabe, 6-6, uh, six and six, once again getting a start, two steals. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, huge performance, 27 points, 13 assists, two steals and a block. Defensively, offensively, I thought he did a lot for this team. Didn't shoot the best percentage. He was 10 for 24, 5 for 14 from 3, and a couple of those came late. But he did play make the entire game. He's the only guy on this team that has more than three assists, um, and he has 13. Plus, the defensive effort like, it was really clutch at times, especially near the end of the game on Paul George. Um, Stanley Johnson, once again, starting, five points, three boards, two steals and a block. Uh, not the best contribution in 32 minutes. Siakam, he had 24 points, 7 boards, 3 steals, 4 turnovers, uh, 10 for 24 shooting, same as Fred, on in 41 minutes of play. And then Bembry, Gillespie, Flynn, uh, no one really contributed too much. Gillespie had 7 points, I think, and 4 boards in 15 minutes. That was pretty good, stealing a block. And then Jalen Harris, like we said, had that good performance. Um, but the other guy's not too much contribution here. And then the Clippers, quickly before we get on a rant, uh, Kawhi Leonard only had 13 points and five assists. Didn't do too much for the team, surprisingly. Paul George really uh, tried to dominate a little bit more. 22 points, nine boards, four assists, eight for 16 shooting. And then Marcus Morris, 22, six and two. Even Reggie Jackson, 18, five and five was a little bit annoying. Kind of a average performance, I think, from both teams. No one had too many standout players. I think Fred was the best standout. But honestly, this game, it was it was super weird because that fourth quarter was horrible. And largely due to one man, um, you know, Fred missed shots, but I think the real person we got to talk about here is Pascal Siakam. Adam? Looking at Pascal Siakam, I'll start with the play in the fourth quarter. Uh, last two minutes, Pascal makes a great play on the defensive end. Steals the ball, and it's a three-on-two break for the Toronto Raptors. I think it was Ken Birch to his right and uh, Fred Van Vliet to his left. Uh, Siakam has the ball. He's running down the middle of the court full speed, head down, which is the first mistake, and two Clippers converge on him right in the middle because they see he has his head down, and he's going full speed right, right to the rim. The smart thing to do would have been to sidestep and kind of evade himself from the situation and, and kind of avoid the players, or he could have just dished it off earlier 
to Ken Birch, who was wide open for a dunk under the rim and positioned himself really good, even for an alley-oop would have worked. But no, instead, he dribbled head down, and he went straight to the bucket. I don't know if he was trying to prove a point that he can score in those final two minutes. I don't know if it's a mental note that he's, that he's worrying about or whatever it is. But he went straight into the two defenders, and uh, a charge w- was called on him. And uh, it's, it's been the same things happening in these games with Siakam just not making the right decision at the end of games. Very selfish play. Um, I don't know if the people that are talking, trying to defend all of his missed shots in the clutch are watching the same games as us, but he's making the same mistakes, and that's the problem, is that he's not learning from it. It's been multiple, multiple times this season, last season against Boston, the same thing. He runs full speed, head down into a defender, and gets an offensive foul in the clutch over and over and over and over again. You can see it from a mile away. On this transition, Ken Birch is wide open, wide open in front of him, an easy go-ahead pass through a bigger, a bigger uh, player, stronger player who's a better, who's good finishing around the rim. You give him the ball; he's ahead of the defender. No, he keeps it. He doesn't pass the ball. He wants to keep it for himself, and he runs right into a defender. The same play and the same mistake he's done multiple times this year and last. Um, very selfish play, and I don't know. Like you said, Adam, I don't know if he's trying to prove a point, trying to up his finishing numbers and stuff, but it was a horrible, horrible shot selection, horrible decision on his part, and I honestly think that he deserves to be, um, you know, reprimanded for it, like from the coach, like Nick Nurse, someone's got to speak up to him, tell him that was his fault and his mistake for doing that, because I don't know if he's getting enough um, talking to in the change rooms by the coaching staff and the people that actually have communications with him, because social media can blow up, but it's different when your coach and your teammates tell you that was your fault, you made a big mistake there. Yeah, like, how does his teammates deal with it? I feel like, like, like guys like Freddie and Lowry, like, I feel like they obviously believe in him, right? They they obviously state so many times in interviews that they believe in him yeah. and, and they want him getting the ball at the end of games. But after he makes the same mistake, how is that, like, teaching point happening between Lowry, Fred, and Siakam and, and their communication? Uh, do, does does Freddie kind of tell him what, what he did wrong and kind of, and kind of I don't know, maybe make him feel a bit better and give him, give him an option of what he could have done or... Or he just doesn't say anything. Like I really want to see these behind behind the scenes kind of communications, because I don't know. Like you said, Gabe, I don't know what he's learning out of out of these decisions that he's making out on the floor. I think he just has to be more relaxed in those situations, receive the ball, and just look at his options. There's so there's so many options that he has in these final situations that guys make good cuts. They position themselves well for him to pass the ball, or or there's there's a shot opportunity that he can make. And he just doesn't make it. I don't know what it is, but it just it doesn't come together. And I think it's just it's just that that ability that that DNA just to lock in it in that in those final two minutes when you're really tired that some players just don't have. And I think he's one of. Yeah, for me, it seems like whenever we are down and the ball enters his hands, the play just never goes right most of the time. The only time it ever works is if he gets to the line for free throws line free throws and that's unpredictable because sometimes those are called and sometimes those aren't called and they're resulting missed shots because it's not like he's doing n ones most of the time they don't go in in those final attempts so it seems like near the end of the game it just never works when the ball is in his hands one way or another like you said it's either a missed shot it's a turnover it's a bad pass um you know there's something and this game there was multiple mistakes like i don't know people that keep defending him like, like, I don't know if you guys are they're seeing this. It's over and over and over again. This game alone, there was a um, couple missed shots. There was the offensive foul. There was a missed free throw in the clutch, which he also yep. missed very often. He goes one for two in the free throws almost every time uh, in the last in the final quarter, maybe last five minutes of the game. And that could have changed the uh, 
uh, what's it called, a four-point game into a two-point game, um, or, or maybe a three-point game to a one-point game. Uh, and then also a huge play, a backward. He stole a ball off somebody, caught it. Yep. He was right above half oh. and then passed it back to Fred. And another errant mistake that cost the whole possession. And obviously that can be huge because it, it saves a possession on both ends. And it's just a mistake that shouldn't be happening. Between that, the double dribbles, like these are like common sense basketball plays since like you're a kid. And I know he hasn't played basketball since he was a kid, but like these are mistakes that should be well out of your system. The traveling happens often to many players in the league, that first step dribble. I understand that, but a double dribble um, in the clutch and a backcourt violation, like these aren't stuff that should be happening as often as they do. Yeah, it's not high school basketball anymore, Gabe. It's the NBA, and he's a max contract player and, and possibly a, fa- a franchise player for this team and is looked at as one um, from most. So uh, it just makes no no sense, and it's unacceptable. But if I'm a defender, Gabe, I'm looking to set traps on Pascal Siakam yeah. in those dying two minutes because I know he's, he's he hasn't had a good pass. He's very nervous and fidgety with it. So if I'm him, i got to understand that defenders are trying to set traps, maybe draw charges, send the double, so he has to make yep. a very good IQ pass. Yep. And he's just he's not understanding the point of that, and he's always finding a way to make a wrong decision. And that's the point where I just say, just please stop giving it to him in these clutch situations. He can be on the floor. I think he can score the ball well if someone assists him in in the final two minutes. But when he's isoing and, and trying to make his own in the final plays, it's just a disaster. Yeah, and we've we've like we've seen other teams when the double teams happen, when the traps happen it can be an advantage to other teams because someone's open on the court, you spread yourself out, you can find an open shot off a double team, and you can make the system very simple. So in these dying games when, temp, when uh, you know tempo's high and obviously people are playing their best defense, but if you get put into a trap, you know it's coming. You at least know that people are going to do that to you. So Pascal Siakam should be spending a lot of his time saying, in the clutch, when they want me to have the ball or I get the ball in my hands, they're going to do this play. How do I fix it? He knows the double team's coming, so it shouldn't be a surprise anymore, and she, he should know how to get out of it. He should know how to find the open pass and make the defense pay, and at times, it could make the basketball in the final seconds of the game even easier for us. So I don't understand why that's not a thing for him. And then quickly to mention also as well, you're mentioning the unassist stuff. At the end of the game, um, you know, we went to go look at, at some stats, and then near the end of the game, um, we did this just for the starters usually, uh, last five minutes, more or less, five-point differentials, all of his, or maybe even last two minutes, all of his field goals made, um, they're always assisted. I think it was the last two minutes, the last minutes of the game. Um, he never is creating for his own, uh, because when he has created for his own, it hasn't worked. So that's just one type of thing to back us up on what we're talking about in case you people don't believe us. I totally agree. And uh, and the numbers he's been shooting, it's it's all under 30%. Uh, for, for most of the clutch stats, and it, and it just shows that he's just not making the right decisions. And it's not about the shots not falling, it's the decision-making. And that's that's the difference that I don't understand why people just can't take criticism. And I know a lot of people like him and his come-up story, but the Raptors team, it's not just about him, it's about a winning culture, it's about, it's about us winning games, uh, getting to the playoffs, trying to win that championship again. That's what it's all about not just one guy's development. Yes, his development would help, but by doing this, we're also losing a lot of games. So it's it's kind of a, a back and forth here with that. Yeah. Um, 
his percentages they differ very like obviously depends on like if we're if they're close games if we're winning or losing whatever but like just an example here um on five point differentials in the fourth quarter during the last five minutes anytime it's five point differential or less and this is only when we're losing games um he's taken in the league he's 25th in attempted field goals so he's taken quite a bit of shots in the fourth quarter of games, last five minutes when it's relatively close and we're losing, he's taken a lot of the shots compared to other players in the league. And in percentage-wise, he's 169th. So 25th in attempted, 169th in field goal percentage, uh, 36%. Um, it's just a one type of example here. And in the three ball, we know that never goes in at the end of the game. He won't attempt it anymore for the most part because he knows it doesn't go in. But... We've seen this lack of clutchness just time and time again, and there's no real avoiding it. People can say what they want about, you know, his past, the 2019 ship. I, I get it, but the problem wasn't then. Then he wasn't the star, the focal point of the team, the star player. He was much like a, a f- fourth option. You had a bunch of yeah. other players producing. You had a whole different starting lineup, uh, a bunch of solid pieces around them. Kawhi, Danny at the time, who was shooting the ball well, Mark Serge. Now he is one of the focal points of the team. Now we are in 2021, not 2019. And this all, this huge, huge, huge setback, for me at least, started in the 2020 bubble uh, last couple of games and then going into the Boston Celtics series where he absolutely fell apart in his shooting, his turnovers, his clutchness, offensive fouls, all of that started for me back then. And it just translated throughout this season and I feel like we haven't seen uh, as much of an improvement as we need to have seen in those clutch minutes. Yep, and another thing I wanted to talk about was was his lack of three-point shooting uh, in, in the final five minutes. Uh, defenders makes it so much easier. I think it was it was like 0.2 attempt, did you said, Gabe, in the, in, the, in the final five minutes for three-point yeah. attempts? Yeah. yeah, and it just makes it so much more easier uh, for defenders to guard guard him because, honestly, they know he's going to drive. Or, or they know that they're going to have to double team him, or and he's going to have to make a smart pass out that might have to be on the other side of the court. So he has to use his vision in those dying set, like seconds, and he has all those things in his head uh, in the past. I'm sure that and all that pressure on him, and and right now he shouldn't feel that. That's why I just don't understand what's happening because he shouldn't feel pressure in this time. We're we're basically out of the playoffs. Like this is the time for him to really learn and to get those reps at the end of the game with no pressure, no pressure. And I don't understand. I just don't get how he's not converting in in these scenarios here. Yeah, um, pretty much Pascal Siakam in the last five minutes of play when like we've been losing, he's only attempted five of them. I think in general, maybe six if we were losing or ahead. And I think he made one of them in that time period. So like one for six, uh, if it's ever a decently close game, winning or losing last five minutes of the game. Um, you know, we've criticized the three-point shooting, don't get me wrong, and we think that he, the less he shoots it is usually the better. Um, now he's getting a little bit more warm, but then again, like you said, Adam, it is a huge disadvantage not having that jumper fully developed and knowing that in the last five minutes, he's pretty much got one option, and it's drive. Uh, it's either drive and kick, whatever. They can pack the paint. They can make their defense a little bit simpler with a guy sagging off, and they'll invite the shot because there's a, probably a good chance he won't make it. So, like you said, it is a huge disadvantage, something he needs to for sure work on. I thought last offseason was going to be big to see him come back from that Boston series and train like he said he's been training um, to figure out his game. Uh, this summer, I think, is also huge for him, knowing that Lowry may or may not be gone. 
the new age with our young team is starting. And once again, he's going to have another huge role coming up next season. I think that offseason is also going to be something to watch out for. All right, that's pretty much it. We hope you guys enjoyed. Um, like I said, please like and subscribe. Leave your comments down below. Let us know your opinions on Pascal Siakam if you think that uh, he does have the ability to turn it around in the clutch, if his performances so far this season have been up to par for you guys, or like us, you are severely disappointed by it. Um, check us out on Instagram at Rapsville for NBA News, Raptors content. And, you know, as always, we hope you enjoyed. That's us signing out. Peace. Peace. You know, people don't really understand how obsessed I am with winning. It's not, I don't care about anything else.